You're listening to the Timony Leader Series podcast, brought to you by Timony Leadership Institute. Great. Well, welcome to our new Timony Leader Series. I'm delighted to be joined by Joe Osborne, Managing Director of Godolphin Ireland, which is part of the world-renowned breeding and horse racing operation. Joe has an impressive uh, career working in the sector across the globe, starting out in Kentucky, and he's served in various capacities on industry bodies, such as chairing the Irish Thoroughbred Breeders Association, and as director of the Irish Farriers Authority, and a trustee of RACE, Racing Academy and Centre of Education. Four years ago, Joe and I had the pleasure of spending a very enjoyable weekend in Barcelona with a group of coaches and business leaders who traveled out to spend some time at Barcelona Football Club and Academy and the SA Business School and Brafa Sports Club with an eye to learning about values-based leadership and how to coach better, how to, how to lead better, how to, how to be better. And Joe surprised us afterwards by sharing his reflections written up on the plane on the way home. They were very well crafted, thought-provoking, and they arrived in our, our inbox the following morning. What I didn't realize was at the time was that this was one of many uh, that Joe has written, other, other experiences that he's reflected on, and it's great to see them attractively captured in a new book, which Joe has just published, uh, Poise and Stride, which uh, I have here behind me. And a series of, of articles and short stories written over Joe's extensive career and illustrated by, by Declan Considine. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, to our chat today, Joe, and to dipping our toes into the water here with, with the book. There's a, a lot of wisdom contained uh, within the covers, but, but maybe before we, we delve in, um, perhaps you could give us a bit of background uh, on how this, this book came about, Joe. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for the opportunity to be here with you and your your guests this evening. Uh, I suppose I've always enjoyed writing. I've always enjoyed the, the written word. Uh, these This is a collection of 41 short essays, I suppose, that I've written over the last 10 plus years. A lot of them would have been for an audience. So we've got a management training program here within Godolphin called Godolphin Flying Start. And we do a quarterly newsletter for them, for the, for the graduates. And I'd written, I started off probably titled as a, as a blog, but just, I suppose, just insights from different things I'd experienced along the way. And yeah, just about a little over a year ago, I just had this idea that I'd like to just compile them into, into a book format. And it was a 12-month process from that sort of um, light bulb moment to getting it off from the printers a few weeks ago. Uh, great journey, just it's something I probably to use the phrase, it's one of those itches I'd always wanted to scratch and it's a great sense of satisfaction to have it now sort of there in, in, in print form. Very good, very good. Well, it's, uh, say it's, it's, um, it's very well written. Where did you learn to, to write so well and, and capture things so, so succinctly, which is no easy task? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I went to secondary school in St. Joseph's Academy as it was then in Kildare Town. And probably, that's probably developed my love for the English language back then. Uh, you know, I'd like to say it, it doesn't come easy. I mean, just, you know, as you know, I think everybody knows, you know, probably writing, writing short pieces is probably a lot harder than writing long ones. And with these ones, I just had that, for some reason, just came up with the number 500 in my head that, as, as a sort of the, 
the discipline I try and write to it in that. So these pieces are typically give or take a few words, north or south of 500 words. So just to try and come up, you know, an idea and condense it into that sort of number. Um, you know, some, some of them, you know, I suppose I've got, you know, they're, they're, there's a sort of a range of topics there, uh, and probably that range of topics is a function of probably the great opportunities I've had. To, I've had a, a blessed career in terms of the opportunities to travel and to meet interesting people in interesting places. Uh, but I suppose one of the things probably to point out is very few of these subject matters are horse related. I probably, you know, there's a horse, um, there's Declan Constantine, who's a local illustrator, does a great job illustrating it. There is a horse. Um, drawing on, on the cover of it, but uh, generally these are come from a fairly wide range of, of, of subject areas. Yes, and that, that's, that's one of the features of it, is just how, how diverse uh, the, the range of, of articles are in, in it and uh, the different themes that you, you draw into. Maybe we can dive into some of them here. Just to, before we do, to say there's a Q&A function on, on, uh, on your screens, which if you would like to pop in any questions or comments for Joe, uh, please, uh, please do put, put them there and we'll, we'll get to them. Um, but maybe Joe, if we, if we dive into, uh, into a few of the articles, we, we can't cover them all, they're, they're over 40, but uh, just to, to unpack and, and give our listeners a taste of it. So the, the first one I, I have here is Free Radical, is the title of it, and it's a reflection on, on Harry Belafonte, the, the Afro-Caribbean musician who it seems had a lot more uh, to him besides his music. Um, and uh, can you tell us uh, a bit about Harry and what insights you're, you're drawing from him? Well, I suppose probably the greatest insight is, is just is the courage the man had. You know, he's been a, an activist and an agitator throughout his career. You know, I, have just, I draw the sort of the, the point at the start, you know, the, the, his, his musical style is about as middle of the road as you can get. But he, he's a man who just grasped the pretty stingy nettle of a lot of different social issues through a very turbulent time in, in, in American history and um, tackled them head on, took some pretty brave um, stands. And, you know, but, so one of the points I made there is that, you know, it, it's quite easy to jump on the, the wagon of protest when things are up to full, to full uh, speed. But in Harry Belafonte's case, it just struck me that he had that courage to be the first voice in a lot of those sort of issues, which is something that I think is admirable. Um, so that was the, you know, the, the, the point there, just you know, that, the importance of that, just having that courage to, I suppose, to, to swim against the tide. And I think you know, I make the point, not just to be the loudest voice of protest, but to be the first one takes even more courage again. Yes, to, and to, to step in. And I, it struck me just reading it and listening to, to some, some other leaders talk about this as well, that, you know, we're here in Ireland at the moment, we're, well, across the globe, we're, we're living in times where it does take a lot of courage to stand up and, and kind of question the, the establishment or the accepted view that might be handed down through, through a media and, uh, and to have a debate about big questions in the way we run society or the values we should champion. You can get easily vilified or even lose business so over it. So be interested in your view is how, how we could encourage <laughs> courage among leaders, you know, drawing on on Harry's uh, the sparks that he he sort of uh, inflamed. Well, I suppose like one. I don't know, unfortunately, the way the world has become has become just so polarized. You know, so you've got you know those people could say, yeah, that the voices they're, they're louder than probably ever were, and but they're they're very loud on the on the extremes, mm -hmm. and um, 
you know, I suppose at, at the time, you know, I suppose the talk, you know, American politics, which is probably, uh, you know, something that's quite sort of current at the moment, you know, at the time of Donald Trump's election four years ago, you thought, well, you know, it, it's just, it seemed just so extreme, so polarized that you think, well, maybe what this will do is activate the, the silent majority that are in the middle that just haven't really sort of had their voice and, yeah, I suppose it was starting to look for a while there that wasn't, you know, you, you, on both sides of the political spectrum, it was just seemed getting further and further apart, so, so negative and so charged that they're almost meeting, they come, come full circle where you've got sort of in, in America, you've got the gun-toting uh, extremists on both sides of the political fence almost facing each other and you say, well, I can't actually differentiate these. So I mean, like maybe the, the, the message is, you know, it, maybe sometimes it takes courage to be the voice of, of reason that's, that's actually in the middle, that's not taking an extreme view on things, you know? Yeah, yeah, very good, yeah. And I, I suppose the, the, the point there too of, of how, um, I think you mentioned it, you know, you, we all have sparks that we see things that we, we're not happy about and we might just shout about it to the mirror <laughs> rather yeah. than... And actually, you say uh, this, this, you know, it's, it's recognizing it is just one step on a journey. You've got to recognize that, that it's recognize that spark, but then actually act on it as well, you know, and that step does take, it, it takes courage and it takes, takes energy as well. Yes, 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 indeed. Well, just if we, if we move on to, to Culture Club, which was another, another one here where you explore the topic of high performance, uh, an aspiration which, you know, many leaders uh, want for themselves and for their, for their teams. You based this one around yeah. Bill Walsh and the yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. So you can see probably there's, there's a fairly I wouldn't say it's a recurring theme, but a fairly common theme through a lot of these. It's just quite a strong American influence. I've spent twelve years of my life and my career in America, and I probably feel even this stage I'm probably still sort of still part of, of that of that country. Um, so yeah, that that particular uh, piece is about the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, NFL, American football team, and coach Bill Walsh and what, what he went in there. And it's, yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, it's about high performance, but it's, it's also about the importance of, of value-based leadership and the importance of integrity and the importance of doing things right when people aren't looking. You know, that, that sense of excellence. You know, I think there's, there can, there's a tendency in sport, probably a tendency in business to, to look at the score sheet and to use that as, as your reference point in terms of how you're performing. And probably with, yeah, I suppose with with share prices and you know and, and sports and you know, just how it's all so immediate now. We want to know are, are we are we winning or losing? And just mm -hmm. people lose sight of that sort of that longer term thing. That's the importance of if, if this it needs to be based on something that's got greater integrity than just what's up on the scoreboard at that point in time. And you know, in, in his particular case, he came into a club that was performing poorly, dysfunctional from at a cultural level as well as a performance level. And he went in there, and you know, he, so he, he's from the ground up. It was a case of change, changing the culture, and then by changing that culture, that got converted into winning on the field. But his, it, it was people who who lived their lives with a, that sense of values, and uh, you know, so that's yeah, you know, it's something I know Timothy stands for as well. Is that values-based leadership and how important that is? If you, if you, if it's not built on that sort of foundation, the whole thing is just it's a house of cards that can collapse so easily. Yeah, and as you say, focusing on, on character and integrity is something to measure rather than the, the external results or, or measures that, that uh, people expect. You, you mentioned in that uh, area about, um, I thought it was quite an interesting question where that, that we often don't ask about what does losing look like? And, you know, that 
very often that's where we're coming from. We're trying to improve. We're trying to get beyond mediocrity, and we've still some way to go to get to the high performance. But can you can you explain what you uh, what you meant by that? And yeah, I think that yeah, that you've got win, winning and losing. Yeah, it's just it's it's not about just what the, yeah, kind of the score the scoreboard. You know, is is losing is losing getting beaten in the sort of the final kick of the game or the final whatever you know, beating a photo finish in the horse race. Or is losing when the whole structures are falling apart? You know that, that's um, I think that you know the high performance isn't just this, the performance on the day. It's something that just runs right through the culture of an of an organization, whether that's a, a business or whether it's it's a, a professional club or, or an individual. Yeah, very good, very good. And you talked about a zone, um, that it's it's not a target, but it's yeah. a zone. Yeah, and I, and I, I just, I, you know, I, I remember from um, having been a graduate of the Timney program, and one of one of the the speakers we had in who talked about that, what they call the gap in in in, in performance between high performance, and I think you do, the, one of the analogies used was the was a, a, an orchestra, and that you know the, the the gap between what's high performance and unacceptable performance is so narrow in that sort of that sort of level. You know, so that you, there's a there's a zone there that just everybody needs to be brought along. So this is we all need to be operating within this. No, it, and it's particularly in team-based organizations and, and clubs, one person is not going to be able to carry it. It needs to be something that everybody buys into, and that probably comes from a, a, a set set of values, probably. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's I know you you mentioned in in Bill Walsh's case as well that it it was a, sort of sustaining a winning culture was. Was part of the the feature there, you know. Yeah, it, it was sustaining. It was, but it, but not just was sustaining it, but also part of his legacy was that it, it took him several years to get there. Like in his, he didn't go in there and just flick a switch and say, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. Like you know, after his first year, the performance on the field of play was no better than it was the previous one, and it just so it takes these things take it take time and it it takes a, a serious commitment to to stay at that level you know so and that's what he was able to do he's able to build something that that was sustainable but it it, it was certainly wasn't by no means an overnight success story yeah yeah like quite a lot of patience and perseverance yeah absolutely yeah you have a great line in there about uh, champions behave like like champions before they are champions when no one is watching uh, what, yeah what that one yeah, that's it. I think you know, probably nowadays, with even more so, probably in the, in the world of, of of social media, that you know, people almost it's just that sense of how how they're perceived is so important. But it's it's you know, I always think that you know, integrity isn't what you do when you're being watched; it's what you do when you're when you're not being watched. Yeah. I think that you know that was the point of his. His he 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 had his everybody in that organization. That it wasn't just what how they were seen by their their fans on the day of a big, big game. It was. They lived their lives to a, a code of conduct that had permeated through everything that they did. Yeah, 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 very good. And it it does uh, it really does chime chime quite well with our motto here in, in Timony as well, with better leaders and better organizations, better society. It's very much our where we, we want to take it. Have you any thoughts on on coaching for leaders? I mean, it, he's a, he was obviously a very good coach, and uh, it does apply like in business as a there's a growing trend, really, of having a coach as a leader. Any, yeah, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of it. I just had, haven't gone through it myself in fairly recent times. And just as one of those situations where um, we embraced it as a, as a company here in Ireland, where our senior managers were all 
offered the opportunity to coach and I think it's a credit that they all they all took it and um it, it was transformative and just luckily for us it came at a time when when we really needed it to navigate through certain things that just probably it was just probably a good fortune that it happened when it did because we couldn't couldn't predict the sort of things we were going to be dealing with but everybody I think it, it helped us all individually and collectively as well so Brilliant. yeah so I'm a big a big big believer in it yeah yeah it's invaluable Great. Well, uh, just to remind people. I just, I just, I, 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 yeah, I was just going to say that. I, I just, I'm looking at the screen here. I don't see any questions coming in. I just, it does remind me, having done the um, Timony program, that I know there are certain people who signed up to that who didn't read the um, case studies until um, 10 minutes beforehand. So <laughs> I, if, if people don't start sending questions in, I've got some people I'm going to start asking questions to. On oh, we've, we've got one. We've got one straight in uh, uh, from that. Um, given social distancing from Paul, Paul McKinney and the blood transfusion board given social distancing rules now how is joe going to do book signings <laughs> and where is the book available and when so right, uh, this is straight into commercial mode here now yeah, no there's no 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 let up here uh the team so yeah all proceeds from the sale of the book are going to race which is as you mentioned earlier i'm, I'm a trustee of and you know i couldn't be going to a, a better a better cause it's 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 a an organization that's very close to my heart. It's been considered as part of our, our family history as well. My father was one of the founders of it. What so, is it? What is RACE? <clears throat> it's the Racing Academy and Centre of Education in, based in Kildare Town. Um, they've been established in the early 1973, originally set up as a school to train young aspiring jockeys but now is a much wider remit and they do a lot of training for the thoroughbred industry generally and not just for the global reach as well they do training for international um, people as well so they, they do a super job there um so race are coordinating sales of the book anybody if anybody wants to sign one i'm more than happy to do that um it's it's you can get it via poison stride at racingacademy.ie it can um Woodbine Books in Kilcullen are selling it online. By Friday of this week, Kenny's in Galway will have it on their online offering as well. So there's uh, plenty of ways to get it. Plenty of ways. Okay, okay. And and John Kerry has followed up um, with a very good question. Is this a standalone book or the first in a series, Joe? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that is a very good question, John. I'd expect a, a question that caliber from, from you. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, you know, you'd say, as I said earlier, use the phrase, it, it, it scratched an itch, but it's certainly given me a feeling, yeah, I'd like to probably maybe go in a different direction. I've, I've written, there's other pieces that weren't included in here that maybe just as well they weren't some of them. Um, but I've got, yeah, no, I, I think, we'll, I think we'll, we'll go again now for sure, you know, maybe go down a different sort of path. But this has been, it's been a positive experience. So I certainly, there's nothing that happened on this journey that sort of would say, no, I'll never do that again. Excellent. Okay, well, we'll jump into uh, into maybe another article then, um, value and values, which I alluded to at the start. There, we this trip to Barcelona, yeah, so leadership yeah. trip. Yeah, yeah. So we um... did you. Uh, by the way, when we arrived there, we were checking into the hotel. Um, we were going to visit Barcelona Football Academy, and Messi turned up at the hotel as we were going to check in. Yeah, you, you got your selfie with him, did you? No, I didn't get my selfie. I, I tell you, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, that trip was wasted on me at, at the time. As were subsequent trips to Munich and to to Madrid. I mean, I've, I've no interest in soccer whatsoever, but I do love that whole sport 
arena I'm predicted at the high performance level in terms of trying to learn from that. Um, so unfortunately, I, I, Messi could walk right up to me now and I wouldn't even know who he was, unfortunately. <laughs> but no, so I didn't get a selfie with him. Yes. We, you know, that was, you know, what, what it was so rewarding about those trips were that sense of combining sporting excellence with something that's community-based. So you're getting to see the, a full spectrum. So this wasn't a, a, a soccer jolly, if you know what I mean. It was, you know, you're going there with like-minded people from a wide range of backgrounds. So you're, you're chatting along the way, learning from them. Um, but then, yeah, so we, we went to a place called the, the um, Braffa Academy and um, saw the work that they're doing there with some of the more marginalized members of, of society, you know, so it's, it's just so This was a, a sports club for, for children located on the other side of Barcelona to, to, the, to the Barcelona Football Club. Yeah. We went one day to, to see, see the academy and the excellence and what they were trying to do there to produce their team and then went to see how they were doing it at a yeah, different but, level. Yeah, uh, but also... We had a very interesting kind of contrast between the two of them in your article. Yeah. Well, and well, contrast in a few ways because like one is that you know we go at all of the soccer clubs we went to, like, we we go to the academies. I'm probably coming from a, my sector of the horse business where you know you've got this pyramid of of horses that are born every year, and the tip of that pyramid is so narrow in terms of finding the true champions. And th these academies work the same way. I mean, it, it's so you can turn the pyramid upside down, and like it's like a funnel. And whether it's Munich, Barcelona, Madrid, I'm sure Manchester United, you name it these academies, they take in hundreds, possibly even thousands of young kids who want to be the next Messi. And, you know, it's a pretty, it's a brutal world for them. Like, and, you know, they, they're, I don't know how you even measure success with them, but I mean, it's really is a case of filter, 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 and you end up with just a handful of people that have proper careers in, in that sport. Whereas you go to the more community-based things where we did it at these different cities, you think it's the exact opposite approach. It's, it's a safety net. They're there. They want to capture as wide a, a, a safety net to catch people who are marginalized, people who are in difficulty, and try to bring them along and just give them not just chances, second chances, third chances. You know, I think so. Just between you know, there, same thing in um, in Munich as well. Uh, that it's that sense of forgiveness, of empathy, of you know, the young people saying, you know, there's, we're here, and you know, with with the I suppose one of the lessons for the, for Barcelona was that that sense that you know, you're you're planting seeds here with young kids, and who knows when they're going to come to fruition. This isn't a case of like you know back to the Bill Walsh analogy where we're going to do something. We're not going to flick a light switch in this in this kid's um, troubled life. We're going to give some guidance here that who knows it just could be like a seed that's there that 10, 20 years later it just it can just bear fruit and uh, just ad admirable work under difficult circumstances. You know poorly funded. But they just do, just, you know, so I think probably you come out thinking these guys, these are the heroes of, of, of the world, you know, not, not, the, not the, the Messies who get paid gazillions for a few minutes running around the pitch. It's people who are just there trying to just mentor and guide and just do their little bit and for no, no real thanks from anybody. Yes, and, and, and it kind of, I think you made the point there as well that, you know, the, or it came out that what are organizations for, the organizations that we lead and that it's, it's not just about making money or achieving a result, but you know it really does. They're mediums for people to flourish in and to yeah, make a living. And, and, and I think just that particular story that I wrote about that trip was that you know the the, the final point was you know, the, the team that we're all part of is is society, and you know, just the, the people who are doing that great work. 
they've got that sense of, yeah, this, we're, we're part of something bigger here. This isn't, it's not self-centered, it's not selfish, it's not even just the core sort of club or whatever. This is, this is we're doing something for, for a broader base than just our, our, those close to us, you know what I mean? Yeah, pulling, pulling people up who, who need pulling up and help and encouragement and passing on, which was yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, and a question here actually that, that kind of is, is uh, I think, relevant here. You know, any insights about how managers can sell value based leadership upwards to their own managers? So, obviously, for you know, leaders who, who perhaps need this, I can throw in my own little tip there, obviously. But what do you think, Joe? How, how do you sell it up, up, up the food chain? Yeah, uh, good. That, that's a, yeah, a good, good question for sure. Um, well, certainly, you know, you've got to, it, you can't sell it unless you're living it yourself. I mean, that's probably the first point I'd make. You know, you, you can't, whether you're preaching up the food chain, down the food chain, at your, to your, your, your colleagues, you've got, to be, you've got to be living it in your own life first before you can try and sort of get people to aspire to different. Um, I think probably one of the best ways I would find, whether it's it, it, at a coaching level, whether it's at a mentoring level within, within the work environment, to, to use specifics you know the, all the sort of um you know including probably you know not, not, not being self-deprecating well but these kind of books that are sort of on the sort of the the self-help section are there i'd say they're probably the easiest things in the world to write because all this stuff is so blindingly obvious you just basically this is what this is it but yeah. living it is incredibly challenging you know, like it's just that point of just because it's simple doesn't make it easy yeah um but the best way to get anybody convinced of anything is to use specific examples. And, you know, so we, you know, there's a situation where in a work environment, for example, rather than going in and sort of just talking general sort of philosophy about the importance of high standards and values, if you say, here's a specific example, here's something that you did, here's something that you said, here's what the, what the implications are, here's how it made me feel. And you, so you're talking, you know, the zone it into, into specifics, I think are probably the best learnings for everybody. Very good. Very, very practical point. Yeah. Great. There's, there are two, two questions here uh, from Margaret Quigley and Paul Stapleton, both on the same. Uh, uh, how, how did you come up with the title and how, is, how does it relate to leadership? The title of the book? Yes. Poison Stride. Um, the, it's, it's a quote from the Patrick Kavanagh, who was, it, it seemed like, I think he might be dropped off the Leaving Cert syllabus now. Because I've asked a few of my kids, colleagues, they say, so, so when we were... Back, I did the Legion Cert in, in 1980. You know, he was just a, somebody who just tapped into that sort of that rural uh, ethos and philosophy of, of Irish life, but also somebody who probably did a lot of his writings based in, in Dublin around the the, the Balls Bridge area. That and so he just I, to me just he just tapped into something. So I had I actually had a couple of different names on the book, but this one just you know so it's from the home stony grey soil. And you know, there's a, a little bit of irony in there. You know that he that he, he had that he thought his stumble had the the, the poison stride of Apollo, and his voice is tongue mumble as he as he mumbles. So that was yeah. So it just it's a, a, a sort of a nod to Patrick Cavanaugh is really where the title came from. Very good, very good, and an apt one at that. Well, maybe we'll we'll go on to uh, the the fourth article we're we're going to talk about here. Uh, titled Automotive, which was a, a follow-on trip from, uh, from the one to Barcelona. Yeah. Again, in pursuit of values-based leadership. Yeah, so. exactly. And, you know, I suppose it was, it was uh, 
another fascinating trip. And you know, I, I just again to reiterate that point, you know, you learn as much from your colleagues that are on those trips. You know, I, I think just you know back to the point about leadership and how we grow and develop ourselves. You know, really the reality is a lot of people on a trip like that or who do your um, leadership programs are people who are probably close to the top of their respective organizations. And as everybody listening in probably is fully aware, that, that can be quite a lonely place at times. So there's something really um, encouraging to just to talk to people and that sort of um, to, to just to, to share experiences and that. And so yes, yeah, yeah, so a community of leaders almost. Yeah, exactly. And just, and leaders that come from different spheres too, you know, then so you just, you realize actually, you know, the, the core themes are common to us all. Um, and that was, you know, we, I would think the, the parallel, a lot of parallels are between the, the Munich trip and, and, and the, the, the Barcelona one, but you know, there it was, um, what was called the work and box company, which again was a, is a, is an initiative and probably even more so than the case in Barcelona. These were not just kids who are on the margins of society. These are kids who have actually fallen. This is the last, last resort for them in the, the last before prison, really, you know, so the authorities say, They've dropped out of school. They fall into a life of a probably petty crime. This is their lives are only going a certain way, and this is a, a company that was set up to give them one last chance. And it's it's they work there, but they also learn how, how to box, and that by learning that they, they learn self discipline. But so you think, well, okay, that that I can you know, you see the logic to all that. But then what, what probably was the most probably inspiring part of it all is the sense of forgiveness that they have. So no matter what those kids do within that environment, there's, if, they, if they misbehave, they're sent home, but every single one of them is welcome back there the next day with a clean slate. It's begin you again. Know, begin again. And just, we never, you know, that's it. So those kids, you're thinking, you know, this field, here is somebody that just never loses faith in me. And there's something so inspiring about that, I thought, you know, so it was uh, just a fascinating to see how, how it was done. And uh, the, the work that they're doing again, just on shoestring budgets, and uh, you know, you just yeah. So it, again, it was a, it was a big contrast between it was kind of a very small, pokey uh, facility they had with the boxing ring in the basement, and compared to Bayern Munich Football Club on the other, which is the other place we visited, meeting with Matthias Sammer. Yeah, uh, quite a contrast, but uh, uh, if, yeah, exactly. And again, you know, you're there with them. Um, Bayern Munich, there, you know, just all those kids that sort of go there, try to become the next um, superstar player, and then here, just you know, across the city, just you know, again, just it was just great, and so just try and just capture that in in yeah. five hundred words and give <laughs> my input. In fairness, you, you also highlighted the the in Bayern Munich the the focus that they had on character, not just technical skills, which uh, I thought was quite um, was quite an important point too. I mean, it it resonates throughout the book generally the. The, the emphasis you put on on developing character and integrity and you could you spotted that yeah as well yeah, yeah absolutely incidentally we were joined uh, when you talk about community of leaders there we were joined um, on that trip by our current manager of the Irish team Stephen Kenny he was uh, you might recall he was on that that trip too which uh, was great when he was manager of Dundalk absolutely and you know and it's just I'm not talking out of school, but I mean, he, I, I, you know, when in that group environment, he, he, as he stood up and spoke with such a level of honesty that I just got, gosh, I, I was so pleased to see him getting that, that appointment that did. I mean, you talk about, you know, character and integrity, you know, that's based on honesty. And that's his, his, I was just so, I was so impressed with him, you know, as, as, as a person on that trip, as a, 
I said, you know, delighted to hear so this is the kind of person we need now to bring this onto the field. So I think he'll do, he'll do great things. Excellent, great. Well, another point you, you highlighted there, just again, going back to the box um, and work company, was about their optimism. Yeah. Uh, which uh, was, was quite striking. Can you talk a bit about that? And Yeah, it def- that optimism is, is based on that they see good in everybody. Um, you know, that they, that, that, that sense, you know, that we, we, we forgive you whatever you've done, not just because forgiving you is the thing to do, but because, you know, we do believe that every, every single person has, has a future in the, in the world. And I think that's, that, again, that just permeated through everything that they did. So it was, um, it was just inspiring to see it. Yes, excellent. Well, just I see Susanna Cawley has added a comment there about your, the distribution of the book is uh, being very efficient. She received it very quickly and suspects your attention to detail and impressive leadership skills were at play here. So I, I can echo that. Yes, indeed. Well, I, I, I just I'd probably an appropriate point just to jump in and give a shout out to Dex and Considine, who you mentioned with the illustrations. Um, I, when I had the idea for the book, it was October of last year. And I, I just wanted to get it illustrated. I just had that sort of vision in my mind. That's what I wanted it to look like. And there was a website called Illustrators Ireland. And they literally had hundreds and hundreds of illustrators. And they, they've got a, a portfolio of all of their work. And I just was going scroll and scroll and scroll. And, and then it was like, bingo. This is, that's the look. That's, that's the exact, this is who I want. Emailed them out of the blue. I said, this is what, like, what I'm thinking of doing. Is this the kind of thing you're interested in? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Love to do it. And I said, where are you based? He said, Salins, County Kildare. So literally, he was a few miles up the road. Amazing. Uh, yeah. it's, you know, he just got the core of each story so well. And he had expertise in book production, too. So he's been a great ally to me. And just uh, delighted to have somebody like him on, on, as part of it. Great. Well, there's a, a last question here I'll pull out, um, which goes back to a point we were talking about earlier. What, what benefit? do you feel you're getting from coaching personally personally um well i think i you know as as it worked out at the time I, it got me through you know navigating something like you know a, a pretty sort of rocky patch in my sort of career that i, I navigated the, the um that i thought quite well but that was thanks to the coaching that i had um i think it helps it really put perspective on things um, for me, which I think was 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 helpful as well. But also was quite strategic. You know, I mean, it, you just we had a, a panel of coaches to choose from, and I think you know, the 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 one that I picked was I just it just was a good fit for what I needed as somebody who was able to be you know, quite quite specific in terms of this is exactly what you need to do, and you know, and, and it was action and outcome based as well. It wasn't just sort of talking about the airy fairy philosophy of stuff. It was this is. And it's also very good. I, I think I can just example bringing a specific scenario. Here's a situation, and then just being able to talk through how to navigate that in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know we said we learn from experiences. Absolutely, we do. But if you can actually have the benefit of coaching while you're actually doing something in real time and think it through with that guidance, I think it just makes you so much a better leader. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And even just, I, I was thinking some of the insights when I was reading some of your, your articles, like literally you, you don't want to keep going because there's so much in one article just to stop and reflect. And, uh, and it certainly struck me that uh, if one is, is getting coaching, that even picking out, if you want to know, well, what will I talk about? <laughs> you could pick any one of those articles as a starting point and say, you know, 
discuss the the theme in it. Yeah, um, and, that's, and, and interestingly, you know, I was I, I, somebody else who was giving me some help at the start said, you know, what does success look like at the end of this project? And I, what I said was like, if a hundred people get this book and there's forty one stories in, in in the book, if just one of those gets something that says, gosh, I really that resonated with me just that the sense of satisfaction is and that has come back in spades but also interestingly what has come back and has really struck me is how i've probably got 41 different people have come back and and each just the different stories resonate with different people which is fascinating and probably a very this great sense of um, satisfaction as well that you know it's, it's not a case of you can you know people dip in and dip out of this and and you know some just strike a chord with people but they seem to just it's a wide range and thankfully you know people do seem to get so gosh that that did strike me you know yeah oh, well well done well done it's quite quite an achievement to to uh, to do it and as uh, we said earlier you can get your hands on a copy um from race i we will be sending around uh, to to all the people who are on the on the uh, webinar we'll send the email address in case you want to uh, follow it up or indeed pass it on to others yeah we have a social media presence there's a, there's a twitter and an instagram account as well so you can log on hopefully get some more followers after today and they can see what get a bit of insight from it too so excellent excellent well th thank you for sharing uh, those those stories with us and I, I know we've only had a chance to look at at a few out of the the 41 so um but the, there's great depth there and richness uh, to reflect on for leadership values and character, and things that are truly important rather than the, the passing uh, matters. This is, um, so we'll bring it to a close there. It's the first of our new Timony Leaders series and we look forward to, to uh, sharing others with you. Just a little shout out to ask for, uh, if you are watching it on YouTube or on the podcast to, to, uh, to like or subscribe to them. And, uh, and that will, will help uh, extend our reach for our leadership insights as well. Uh, so thank you again, Joe. This podcast was brought to you by Timony Leadership Institute. Better people, better organizations, better society.